Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and our producer, Ed Salzadel, all directors at the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We are here to reassure you you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. Again today, we have Dr. Matthew Cherhati, a researcher at the UT Health Science Center, San Antonio. We hear a lot about differing missing links, and the, the point is they're still missing. One of those is the Neanderthal. What do we know about that today? Okay, so uh, previously, the, the picture that we had about Neanderthals was that they were some sort of missing link between apes and human beings. And then this view was modified uh, recently in, the anthrop- in anthropology that Neanderthals were sort of like a side branch of humans. But um, I would like to talk about actually a secular book, The Neanderthals Rediscovered, How Modern Science is Rewriting Their Story. It is the winner of the 2015 Society for American Archaeology Book Award. And so what this book basically says is that, uh, in, in sum, Neanderthals were practically the same as modern humans, just like you and me. They've discovered uh, mixed fossils between which show modern human and Neanderthal characteristics. Svante Pebo, who's a Swedish researcher in Germany who has studied uh, the genomics of Neanderthal, basically states that, that uh, every single one of us in some percent between one like one to five percent of our genomes comes from Neanderthal. Hmm. Just yesterday I spoke with somebody at, at the university. She did she analyzed her whole genome, this twenty three and me program, and she answered all the questions and she said that uh, she found out that, that uh, she has a lot of genetic material coming from Neanderthals. So this means that Neanderthals and, and humans interbred, meaning that according to the biological species concept, we're one species. Mm-hmm. Right, Neanderthals are still here. Well, in fact, we're sitting around the table right now. And we are the end, they are us. Uh, it's sort of like we have met the enemy and they are us. Right? <laughs> so we're not an enemy because uh, we're all the same. But uh, what this book basically says, it's, it's really uh, eye-opening. That It describes that, that Neanderthals, they, they used medicine, like from, from uh, like tree, tree leaves, they extracted some sort of substance which could be could have been similar to aspirin. They they cared for the sick. They had hunting patterns when they hunted hunted animals. They used they had composite tools or they had tools which made other tools. Hmm. Uh, they had trading networks. They also had a hyoid bone which is necessary for speech, just as humans do. Uh, the fox P two protein, which is necessary for proper speech formation. Uh, has it the exact same sequence in, in Neanderthals and also in humans, with the mutations between humans and other mammals like chimpanzees. And also, I myself have studied the Neanderthal genome sequence uh, in, a, in a secular uh, paper of mine uh, recently accepted. And what we can see is, is that uh, the Neanderthal genome is structurally very, very similar to the uh, genome of modern human, potentially very, sim- very similar. That also, if you on a micro level, if you look at uh, certain genetic elements, there's like a, a human accelerated region which contains a lot of mutations. They call it accelerated uh, accelerated regions because they think that there were a lot of mutations introduced into this stretch of DNA, which led from ape to human. But we can see that that uh, uh, compared to other mammal species, uh, like for example apes, there are a large number number of mutations separating 
the human variant of this of this uh, genetic region, separating humans from from uh, from apes and other mammals. But this stretch of the genome is ex- is exactly the same sequentially in in modern humans and also Neanderthals, which again suggests that that uh, that modern humans and Neanderthals were the same species. Hmm. With it's a, a bit of variation. It's interesting you would say that. I was doing a presentation years ago, and I had four medical doctors uh, in the presentation that I was doing, and I showed a representation of a Neanderthal skull, Homo sapien, and Cro-Magnon. Yeah. And uh, one of the doctors commented, he said, I've had all three of those skull types walk into my <laughs> office this week. <laughs> and the other three guys said, yeah, I have too. That's right. We're talking about averages in terms of skull size here. And the human genome is very varied in terms of that, and these right. averages don't tell the whole story. Right, right, right. I mean, and, and for example, I mean, like human skull size can vary between something like 1,100 cubic centimeters and I think maybe 1,600 cubic centimeters. And also there the, the are like sexual differences between men and women. And, you know, interestingly, if we if if evolutionists say that that uh, the humans the, the the size of the skull uh, increased during human evolution, we'd have to admit that Neanderthals are more intelligent than us <laughs> because their skulls are on average larger than ours. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't fit the evolutionary story. Okay. Well, d- d- yeah. Go ahead. Well, what uh, since Neanderthals are clearly human from everything you've yeah. told us, what made them think that? They were not like modern humans. What they tend to say. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, originally, 150 years ago, I mean, they didn't have enough fossil evidence, because I mean, uh, for example, they found a Neanderthal skeleton in Croatia in chainmail, meaning that it was a person from the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the thicker bones, uh, Neanderthals have somewhat thicker bones. Uh, it could have been due to some illness, maybe uh, scurvy or gout, uh, that um, that Neanderthals. Uh, some of these uh, fossil specimens were found in like more northern latitudes, and um, uh, maybe possibly vitamin D deficiency mm-hmm. could have uh, made the bones thicker. But then again, I mean, there's a lot of variation in human. So basically, the scientists found what they were looking for. They were looking for some missing link in. That's what they found. They found something a little buried. Well, I think that that um, that you know that uh, human variation uh, in the past could have been greater. And uh, just as our as our secular molecular biology professor stated that that uh, the human genome underwent a bottleneck effect. So that means that that uh, that prior to the flood, the human genome could have been a lot more varied. Uh, so I think that that. Uh, uh, human fossils allow for a bit of variation. That they they may seem a little bit more varied than than what we find in modern humans, but it's still they they can still fit into the human species. A- in fact, the NCBI database has all sorts of has Neanderth- Neanderthal sequences, and Neanderthal is listed listed as Homo sapiens Neanderthalensis in NCBI, meaning that that it's widespread knowledge that Neanderthals are Homo sapiens. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org. Today we have Dr. Matthew Cherhati with us. We've been talking about Neanderthals. We're going to switch that in just a moment. First, I, uh, one of the interesting things that happened was several years ago, there was a Darwin exhibit here at the Witte Museum. And one of the things they had in that Darwin exhibit 
was that they had a uh, panorama of skulls with, going all the way from the smallest mammalian up to human. And there was a little girl there who was about eight or nine years old. And I said, which one's us? And, of course, she picked the one at the top, which was logical, except it wasn't us. Who was it? <laughs> It was Neanderthal because they have larger brain uh, brain capacity on average. Mm -hmm. Folks, what is that larger brain capacity supposed to mean? More brains. More brains, uh, smarter and all that kind of stuff, which they would carry forward in every other analysis, but they try to discount it with the Neanderthal. Is there some bias there? Um, Well, I mean, obviously uh, I would think so, because, I mean, I think that... uh, you know, it just simply doesn't fit in the progression of like of like the early Homo to to modern uh, to modern human. But uh, again, I mean, as I said, that, that uh, there there are people with, with with smaller skulls. I mean, women generally tend to have like smaller skulls. Uh, you can't really look inside the brain of of an, of an extinct uh, hominin, hominin or extinct human uh, because intelligence is really all about like how your neurons are in, interconnected. Right. So um, that, that's a basic switching basis. gears for the last two minutes of the program. Other languages. You have a uh, yeah. copy of the Journal of Creation, which has the, a, a Babel representation on it. Yeah. You have a special uh, background in being in command of German, English, and Hungarian. Yeah. I have troubles just with English. What do you see in that whole discussion with languages? With languages. For example, uh, I think that languages are simplifying over time. Like, for example, if you look at uh, Latin, like uh, uh, the older version of Latin. Latin, you can feel that it came from Greek, uh, and I'm studying Greek at seminary. And uh, you can see that, that uh, Latin ga- uh, gave birth to the, to, to, to the, to the Romance languages, like fr- uh, French or Spanish. The, the Germanic language, languages also have an ancient form called the Gothic language. And uh, uh, knowing German and also Dutch and also uh, English and also... Um, I've also studied uh, a language called Afrikaans, which is uh, the language of the white people in South Africa. It's very interesting to see that the languages, uh, they lose uh, cases, like verbal systems, they tend to become more unified. Like in French, you have like uh, three different uh, ways of the infinitive. Now they're using, they're tending towards using only w- one version of the infinitive, like der, uh, die, das, that is the article in German. You have, you have three articles in German in Dutch and only one in English mm-hmm. or like uh, like people they tend to cut up words with like uh, um, simplify words or use acronyms uh, this transition from from a more complex language like let's say uh, German through Dutch and then to Afrikaans uh, if you know these languages if you've read uh, texts in these languages you can you can get the, f- the feeling that they're interrelated with each with each other the Germans and Dutch people they can sort of speak with one another and they can uh, understand each other on a basic level but but you, you get the feeling that that uh, words are simplified and that uh, different grammatical constructs are simply lost and that's an interesting comment you're making because you see languages simplifying down yeah not expanding like our genome, not, not like our genome etc yeah. and if the babel and dispersion account yeah. is correct yeah then there was the instant creation of all of these languages yeah. and they would not be continually expanding from that point they would be Contract. contracting down which would, is what you're seeing or they would be could we say devolving or, or like be becoming simple right which means that at the beginning there was a complex language but the big question is how did apes ever evolve 
something from super simple, right? Like basically grunts to classical Latin. <laughs> there is no evidence no, for it whatsoever. No, no evidence for no that evidence. at all, and we thank you. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletter. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. SABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church just south of the corner of Jones-Maltzberger in Thousand Oaks. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you miss any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane. And for Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzadel, thanks for listening. And we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.